Welcome to the afternoon session, and uh, greetings in Jesus' name. Continuing our study on the nature and character of God, the title for this afternoon is Our Father, and the subtitle, Which Art in Heaven. And this title also is taken from the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now a little explanation on the order here. I first selected these titles because of the topic, the subject that I wanted to teach on and took two of the titles from this particular prayer and then realized that I had reversed the order in that I spoke yesterday about hallowed be thy name and then today we talk about father which comes first in the prayer. So that explains why the order is a bit mixed up there. Um, not that it really makes any difference necessarily in our study. But today we want to consider the nature of God as our Father. And I realize this is a bit of a sensitive subject. For this reason in that our experience with our earthly father has a very great influence on what we think of our Heavenly Father and our perception and understanding of what a father is and does and should be is to a great degree shaped by our experience with our earthly father. Now that can be very good if your father was godly and followed godly principles and, and as we might think of it, did it right. But I know that's not all of your experiences. There are some here who have had very painful and difficult experiences with a father. Perhaps some who don't even have an earthly father or don't know where he is or he's completely uninvolved in your life. You may have a father who professed Christ but scarcely lived a life that modeled a true Christian's life. I don't know what your experience was, all of you. I, I know a few of you, some of your stories, and I know that there are some here who have had very painful experiences. I also know there are some of you who have uh, very godly fathers who have set a very good example for you. So I know it can be a bit of a painful subject even to consider our Father in heaven as he is a good and righteous Father, especially if our experience with our earthly Father was different. 
But I'm also convinced that in order for us to, and and I'm speaking here especially to those of you who have had a very bad experience with a father, with an earthly father, in order for you to come to an understanding and an emotional uh, stability to deal with the emotional realities, you need to understand the truth about our Father in heaven. And that's what gives me courage to preach this message, uh, knowing that it's the best way that you'll be able to deal with these issues. We may speak a bit more uh, of that as we go along. This matter of our Father in heaven is one of the foundational understandings that we need to have about God. It is a title, not necessarily a name, but it's a title which God desires for us to use and understand. God has many honorable titles. God even has a name, Jehovah. But Jesus didn't ask us to address the deity as Jehovah, though I think it's fine to uh, speak about him as Jehovah. But when speaking directly to him, his desire is for us to call him our Father. And I think that's significant. In fact, it's the first thing we're going to consider here is just how important this is to God. He could have asked us to call him the blessed and only potentate. He could have asked us to always address him as the king. He could have asked us to address him always as the almighty. And all of those are good titles. But that's not what he truly desires. And he gave us specific instructions that we ought to address him as our father. Now I can talk about all these things. I can describe what the scripture says about uh, him being our father and so on but what I really believe and, and feel in my heart is that it's not so much what I tell you today although I hope it's profitable and I trust it will be but when you are alone meditating on God and grasp in your heart this concept that he is my father. That's where you will get some emotional strength and healing and understanding that he wants to be your father.
a number of scriptures we could turn to, but one that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16 through 18. Paul is teaching the Corinthians there, and he says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I'll just stop there for a moment. He's repeating something that was often said in the Old Testament to the children of Israel, that I will be their God and they shall be my people. And our brother talked about that last night in his message about God is looking for a people to dwell with, a people that he can show himself mighty in their midst, a people that represent who he is and his character and and all of his uh, attributes. He wants to be displayed in a people and he wants to be their God. Okay, having that in our mind now, let's read on here. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So now he takes it from a God dwelling among his people to saying, I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. See, God is not desiring only to show his power and his omnipotence and his greatness and majesty, but also his loving care as a father for his sons and daughters. And if we can get a hold of that in, uh, in our hearts and realize that this is not just man's idea. It's God's delight to be known as Father. I know there's some of you that well, actually, most of you here, all of you as students, you're not in a place of being a father or a mother. You don't have children, and it's natural to have a desire to have children, and maybe that's not very prominent in your mind at this uh, stage in life. Um, you want to get married, and all those things are a little probably a little more prominent, and rightly so, because they come first. But it's natural. God has placed it there for a desire to have children. And it will develop more as life goes on, for most of you. But I can speak from experience of the desire and delight in having children and being called daddy. And I trust you'll all have that experience and you as uh, mothers, you'll be known as mama. And this is uh, 
This is a delight for parents. And so it is with our Heavenly Father. He made you. He created you. He wants you to be His, um, to reflect His glory and also to bring praise and honor to Him even from your lips and your life. But He delights in having you call Him Father. Why? It's because He desires a relationship. He's not looking just for slaves. He's looking not just for servants. He's looking for sons and daughters. And that's amazing. In fact, it's very profound when you think of the religion of Islam has 99 different names for their deity. All of them supposed to represent something about his nature or character. Not one of them out of the 99 is father. They consider themselves to be slaves of Allah. They do not know him as a father. But our Father in heaven wants us to know him as a father. He wants us to be sons. He wants us to be daughters. Now there are things in nature in a parent-child or especially father-son relationship here. And some of these Things I'm speaking of could be interchangeable with just parent-child relation, but I'll most often be referring it to here as father and son or father, son, and daughter. Um, But in Psalms it's said that, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. This is one of the... um, Natural things that God has placed in fathers is to pity their children. And I don't think that simply means to uh, commiserate with their misfortune, or, but it simply means to have a tender affection and an understanding of their need and their, um, perhaps their, um, the things they're not able to do for themselves. The father is, feels responsible to do them. Uh, to protect, provide, and so on. Father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Matthew 7, 9 through 11, Jesus said, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? How much more? And when Jesus said, if ye then being evil, I don't think he meant that we're uh, just, oh, what would the term be? When we use the term evil, that's, uh, I mean, we talk about bad and evil is just a step beyond bad. But evil here is a comparative term. If ye then, as humanity, as fathers with your failures and your, uh, and your inability to 
perform even all that you wish you could, desire to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven delight to do good things? Now you may think, well, wait a minute. What about a father who is so backwards that he actually would do this? That if his son asked bread, give him a stone. And I must say it's sad that I think there probably are a few that would do that. Or so morally bankrupt. I think I've known a few that I would at least question whether they might not actually do this. And I'm sorry if you've had any experience close to that. But what I will say is that is not natural. That is against nature. But we're warned that in the end time things would get so wicked and this being one of them is that people are without natural affection. So it is one of the difficulties and, and sins of this as Paul said, a wicked and perverse generation. But it's important for you to understand that is not even natural. God has placed in a father a desire to please his children. And to whatever extent that's corrupted, it is not what God intended. And so Jesus lifts it up here as a natural example from nature and if your earthly father desires to give good things, how much more shall your heavenly father give the good things uh, to them that ask him? And in that context, Jesus' encouragement was to ask. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And then he goes into this explanation that even in natural uh, circumstances, a father delights to give his children good things. So those are a few of the, uh, the natural things that show us some of the character of God, and that he delights to be a father to us. In fact, Though our earthly father may fail and fall short in many ways, our father in heaven never does. He says, Psalm 27:10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And again in Psalm 68:5, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Now, God forbid that your father or mother, earthly father or mother, would forsake you, but it does happen. And when it does, the Lord has a heart for such, and he says, then the Lord will take me up. And you can rest in that love and that assurance that the Lord cares for you. He is concerned about you as his son or daughter.
If you say you have a bad example from your parents or your father particularly, just know that there is hope and there is help from your Heavenly Father. He has a special concern for those who are fatherless, that have no parents, no father. May I just speak a bit about those who have grown up with a father who is far from what he ought to be. And that's a pretty broad statement, but I have seen I have seen the tremendous damage that can be done uh, by a father who is Uh, emotionally absent by a father who is angry by a father who is wicked Um, father given to strong drink and alcohol and the tremendous emotional uh, distresses and baggage that that puts upon the children sense of abandonment And on and on you could list all kinds of situations and circumstances where a father is not anywhere close to what he should be. And it can leave many deep emotional scars. And even a sense of, well, just the one of abandonment. And if your sense is that fathers abandon their children, then what do you think of God? Is he going to abandon you? But his promise is that he won't. But can you believe that promise if you don't see it in your earthly father? Well, I'm going to suggest a few things. And one is that you are now at an age, all of you, that you are entering adulthood You're leaving childhood behind. You're you're entering your adult years. And you're able to think and reason. You're able to look at the scriptures. You're able to understand things beyond what a child of 5 and 8 and 10 can understand. As you begin to reason through these things, you can begin to see where your father has failed. And maybe that was obvious for years. Uh, But you also can begin to understand some of the spiritual things going on. And you say, well, but the pain is so great, I, I I can't deal with this. Well, I'm going to suggest that you study from the Word of God what it means for your Heavenly Father to be your father and to be a representation of what a father ought to be and there's a sense in which you if if you're in such a circumstance can come to an understanding that your father did it wrong your father was wrong you don't have to be bitter about it 
You don't have to lose your way. You don't have to dishonor him, even to acknowledge in your mind that your father um, your father was wrong. But what are you going to do about it? It's not in your place to correct him. In fact, you are asked to be submissive to him, to honor him and respect him. Well, that takes the grace of God. And what I want to assure you is that even though you had a very terrible experience, that does not mean that you are going to be damaged goods emotionally for the rest of your life. And I'm afraid that many times in many of the counseling methods and suggestions out there, and even well-meaning people who want to identify with the pain and the hurt, uh, perhaps don't go far enough to give the solution and the answer. Because it's not to just continue to going over and over your hurts and your pains, but rather to begin to see them in light of what God, our Father in heaven, is. And it can bring healing in your heart and mind when you, on the one hand, can acknowledge that, yes, my Father was wrong, but by God's grace, I can do something different. And further, don't fall into the trap to think that because you never saw a good example that you therefore are doomed to be a failure yourself. That's a lie from the enemy. If God can take a caterpillar and it be metamorphosed into a butterfly, well then God can do a lot with you. While it is excellent to have a good and, and right example in a father, don't think that all is lost if you didn't have that. Well, moving on to some of the aspects of a father, what a father is. Well, before I get too far in that, let me, let me just give you a little story about what it means to um, what I was saying earlier about delighting. A father delights in being known as as daddy. And we even have a uh, reference to that in, uh, in Romans chapter 8 where he says we have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. As I understand that term, it's more of an endearing term, like we might use the term daddy. Well, in our house, uh, household, my children call me daddy. That's, that's my title. And I don't ask them to call me by my proper name because I would prefer daddy. 
not with other people that are not my children, not of my family. They can address me by my proper name and normally do. But for my children, and it seems like every one of them at some point, maybe maybe five years old, maybe he used the title Mr. or maybe he used his last name or something. It was a very formal way of addressing this man. And I realized after what the man had told me that there's something missing. He does not have the blessing of having even his five-year-old calling him daddy. And it spoke deeply to him. So we don't know always what kind of a, a light, an example we're giving. Even for you, at your age, honoring your father by something as simple as calling him daddy. So what is a father? A father is a protector. I had to think of Jesus Christ as a young very young uh, child. His life was threatened by Herod. And as a young child, Jesus probably knew little or nothing of this threat. But an angel warned Joseph to flee into Egypt because Herod is seeking the life of your son. And as a protector of the son, the father took him to Egypt according to the plan of God. So a father is a protector. He's one who cares and protects his children. And so it is with our Heavenly Father. He is our protector. 2 thing that a father does, he is a provider. Fathers go out and work and labor so that they have something to feed their family. Our Heavenly Father does that for us as well, and let's read there in Matthew chapter 6, if you would turn to that. Matthew 6, 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. 
Yes, fathers provide. They, they look after the welfare and the sustenance, the very life sustenance of their children. And if fathers do that, how much more shall our Heavenly Father do that? If He cares even for the very sparrows and the lilies of the field, which are there for only a moment, and surely you're worth more than many sparrows, aren't you? Yes, your Father in Heaven will feed you. There's a parent-child relationship that... This is the next thing uh, that fathers, I don't know if you can really say this is what a father does, but it is what he desires, is a relationship. And let's look in uh, the Gospel of John, verse uh, chapter 17, considering Jesus with his father. John chapter 17 is the prayer where Jesus is communicating with his Father. And in verse 23, he says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Did you catch that? Hast loved them. As thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. The Father loved the Son. He spoke audibly from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So there was a very close, tender, intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. And that very relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father. Even if our earthly Father didn't provide that. That God may love us as He loved His Son. Another thing that a father does is he chastens. Oh, ouch. Yeah, ouch. We'll read about that in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12.5 And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. We'll stop there for a moment. He's saying that 
If you have no chastening, it's as though you had no father. A father that loves his children chastens them from time to time. Why? That it might be well with them. He sees the wrong and he attempts to correct so that it doesn't continue and that they might be perfected. Do the fathers always do that right? Probably not. But hopefully, if they are in the fear of God, they will do their best to do it right. Let's read further here. Furthermore, verse 9, We have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? The answer is yes, of course. And he says, For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Yeah, it ouches. It's no fun to receive chastening. But a father does it for the profit of his children. That's how it ought to be. Now I know there's fathers that are out of control. They're simply angry. They're lashing out and whatever else, but the principle is here that a father chastens. And it's actually an evidence that he loves his children. God loves us enough to chasten us that we not pursue our own selfish way to destruction, that we might be saved. Proverbs talks about delivering uh, the soul of your child or your son delivered from hell. That's pretty serious. Any father who loves his son would, would do serious things to deliver them from hell. And yeah, it's not all pleasant. I remember a few of the spankings I got. And I'm now past 50 years and still remember them, some of them. Probably not nearly all of them. I remember one that I didn't think I deserved. I was told of my transgression, and to my mind, I didn't think I had ever been told that this was wrong or that I was out of order. It seemed like just a stroke out of the blue, and I'm getting spanked for it. Did I remember the lesson? Yes. I could tell you what the transgression was that was laid to my charge these 50 years later. So it really worked out for good, even though at the time I thought this is unfair. But truth be told, I probably simply ignored the instruction I'd been given before and so put it out of my mind I didn't even remember. 
But I'm assuming my father probably was right that he had given me this instruction prior and I had simply not paid any attention. Um, you might have had some experiences like that. I can think of some that I was supposed to get and was guilty and didn't get them. You probably had a few of those. And you might purpose in your mind that you will never do that to your children. Well, keep that resolve. Just uh, but be humble enough to acknowledge it might not work out quite that way. But I am thankful that my parents spanked me. They disciplined me. They corrected me. And no, it wasn't fun. It was painful. But I think of specific life lessons that I was taught while bent over their knee in ways I never forgot. And it shaped my character. And I probably wouldn't have got it any other way. Fathers chasten the children whom they love. That's how it's supposed to be. Well, let's move on. Another thing that fathers do is provide an inheritance. Proverbs 19.14, house and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. House and riches. Now, my father has passed on some, what is it, nine years ago, I guess. Um, he didn't leave any, um, any great sum of money behind. He gave me many good and precious things that I inherited. But an inheritance, uh, these two men were standing there observing this. Now the Rothschilds were a, a wealthy family, a banking dynasty in Europe of uh, a number of generations. They, uh, they weren't just rich, they were super rich. The Rothschilds had a private, uh, private fortune that is considered to have been the largest in history. They didn't just fund um, businesses, they funded empires. So the Rothschilds were of the super rich. Well, the story is told that two men were standing watching this carriage, and here comes one of the fathers in the Rothschild family, and they had a five-year-old son with him. And as these men are standing there watching, and, and this uh, father and his son get off the carriage, and one man, he 
He looks at the sun there, and, and then he turns to his companion, and he says kind of wistfully, he just shakes his head and says, so young and already a Rothschild. Yeah, so young and already a Rothschild. You see, he was a Rothschild by birth. And the inheritance someday would be his. It was assumed at least. You see, this young man, this young lad of five, didn't have to work for his inheritance. It was there by birth. And so it is. For you. With Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Heirs of God? Yes. If we are children, if we have been adopted into the family, we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba. Father, Father, and he has an inheritance for us, and this inheritance was given to Jesus Christ, and with Christ we receive that inheritance because we also are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. So young and already a Rothschild. And how about you today? You're sitting here so young and already a child of the king? Yes, already. Already to receive an inheritance. He that overcometh shall inherit all things all things an inheritance comes from the father and we really can't even fathom the inheritance that is laid up for us as children of our heavenly father but my it's so much more than any Rothschild ever had. So much more. In fact, if you study the thing of inheritance, we've already received some of the down payment. We can live in that down payment in an abundance, but there's vastly more to be had in the next life for those who endure to the end. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. So wherever you find yourself today, I trust that this can be a foundational thing in your life where you can see yourself as a child of your Father which is in heaven. He's not left you as orphans. He's not left you without hope. He's not left you without love. He's not even left you without chastening. 
but he has laid up for you an inheritance. If you're not a part of this family, you need to get there. You need to be a part of this family if you want to obtain the inheritance. But inheritance is received by position. Not because you earned it, but because you're a child of the Father. So I'll close with that. May the Lord bless you. I'll turn it over to the moderator.